Hello, welcome to Eddie Hurst's podcast version of The War of the Worlds. It's me, Eddie Hurst. We're back. Chapter 5. We've had a few interludes and now we're going to get right back into the book proper. And let me tell you, this chapter is a doozy. Uh, It's called The Heat Ray. What do you think could be in it? Maybe, I don't know, a ray of heat? Yes, that's right. Not just one ray of heat. It's the heat ray, not a heat ray, is what I'm trying to say. The heat ray. There's an importance on it, using the rather than a. So let's get right into it. I mean, it's a great, it's a great chapter. Uh, so so we'll hammer on with it. We've got some great stuff coming up in it. I've got a lovely little chat with Hannah Platt and Josh Jones, who you will remember as providing the voices of Ogilvy and Henderson, respectively. I've said respectively. I'm not quite sure if I'm using. I think respectively is a way for you to use like. So if you say apples and oranges are round and no, the apples and oranges are um, apple and orangey, respectively. It's like that. Um, I wanted this to be really like a really slappy, snappy, slappy intro, but I've gotten distracted with grammar. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening, everybody. It means a lot to me. It's pleasant, pleasantly surprised that people are listening. Please, could you do me a massive favour and can you review it wherever you get your podcasts from? If you're listening on Spotify, that's fantastic, but if you could go on to something like Podchaser or go on to Apple Podcasts and just write, it takes a couple of minutes but actually it makes it makes the podcast so much more visible for all people gives them an idea of what they might like to see and we get more people listening and the more people we get listening uh, the more of a community we have and speaking of community if you want to get in touch with me what's your favorite heat ray <laughs> terrible terrible in it so what i'm talking with hannah and josh about is how they would greet an alien that's arrived on earth because it's very much as you'll see in the chapter a feature of it how would you do it let me know you can get in touch with me on twitter at eddie hurst um on instagram at eddie hurst on facebook i'm facebook slash eddie hurst all of those ways you could also email me eddiehurst at gmail.com let's have a little chat about it why not here we go chapter five the heat After the glimpse I had had of the Martians emerging from the cylinder in which they had come to the Earth from their planet. Hello, it's me, the explaining lad. I've just got some break off my work job. Uh, I thought I'd I'd explain. I don't don't know if you need me to explain it, but I'm going to do it. No, anyway, uh, Martians uh, come to Earth from their planet. It's Mars, isn't it? Mars is their planet. All right, I just... You know, sometimes it's just like when you grow up, you you lose contact with your friends, and it's quite nice to have social contact with anyone. So I just thought I'd come and... A kind of fascination paralysed my actions. I remained standing knee-deep in the heather, staring at the mound that hid them. I was a battleground of fear and curiosity. I did not dare to go back towards the pit, but I felt a passionate longing to peer into it. I began walking, therefore, in a big curve, seeking some point of vantage and continually looking at the sand heaps that hid these newcomers to our earth. Once a leash of thin black whips like the arms of an octopus, flashed across the sunset and was immediately withdrawn, and afterwards a thin rod rose up, joint by joint, bearing at its apex a circular disc that spun with a wobbling motion. What could be going on there? Most of the spectators had gathered in one or two groups, one a little crowd towards Woking, the other a knot of people in the direction of Chobham. Evidently, they shared my mental conflict. There were few near me, One man I approached, 
He was, I perceived, a neighbour of mine, though I did not know his name, and accosted, but it was scarcely a time for articulate conversation. Coming up is some really great crowd work from uh, from Wells here, so uh, brace yourself for this. A uh, bit, uh, bit of background on my experience with crowd work. I once went on a theatre crash course where, I kid you not, for the two weeks of it, most of the time I learnt how to walk around in empty space. Uh, so, uh, I'm pretty good at knowing how to figure out a crowd, uh, if I dare say so. What ugly brutes! He said. Good God! What ugly brutes! He repeated this over and over again. Good God! What ugly brutes! Good God! What ugly brutes! Did you see a man in the pit? I said, but he made no answer to that. We became silent and stood watching for a time side by side, deriving, I fancy, a certain comfort in one another's company. Then I shifted my position to a little knoll that gave me the advantage of a yard or more of elevation, and when I looked for him presently he was walking towards Woking. The sunset faded to twilight before anything further happened. The crowd far away on the left towards Woking seemed to grow, and I heard now a faint murmur from it. The little knot of people towards Chobham dispersed. There was scarcely an intimation of movement from the pit. It was this, as much as anything, that gave people courage. And I suppose the new arrivals from Woking also helped to restore confidence. Bingo! That's three Wokings in a row. If anyone's got Woking on their cards, three fat Wokings. Woking line. Bingo, baby. At any rate, as the dusk came on, a slow, intermittent movement upon the sandpits began. A movement that seemed to gather force as the stillness of the evening about the cylinder remained unbroken. Vertical black figures in twos and threes would advance. Stop watch and advance again, spreading out as they did so in a thin, irregular crescent that promised to enclose the pit in its attenuated horns. Hey, uh, it's me again. What you been up to? Seen anything good on TV? Any, anyway, attenuated. I, I mean, I said it a few episodes ago, but it means less than. It means, like, smaller, so it's getting less. The horns are getting less. Just, you know, I'm, I'm here if you want to give us a ring or anything. I, too on my side began to move towards the pit. Then I saw some cabmen and others had walked boldly into the sand pit and heard the clatter of hooves and the gride of wheels. I saw a lad trundling off the barrow of apples. You know, there's no sign of the ginger beer here at any point, which we know has been mentioned numerous times. I'm very concerned about it for one. If I'm not mistaken, I believe the Martians might have had that. Fans of ginger beer. Ginger boys. Ginger boys. And then, Within 30 yards of the pit, advancing from the direction of Horsell, I noted a little black knot of men, the foremost of whom was waving a white flag. <coughs> Metaphor alert! <coughs> Metaphor alert! White flag! Surrender! Not quite sure if it really is a metaphor or just a symbol of. or just a socially accepted symbol. Metaphor alert! <coughs> This was the deputation. There had been a hasty consultation, and since the Martians were evidently, in spite of their repulsive forms, intelligent creatures, it had been resolved to show them, by approaching them with signals, that we too were intelligent. Ah yes, this group who have already killed a man must surely just be looking for an intelligent conversation. Surely when we have a rational public debate, these murder machines will subside. Flutter, flutter, went the flag, first to the right, then to the left. 
Okay, all right. Welcome to the uh, welcome to the to the open mic poetry slam we got tonight at the uh, the Hazy Horsel. Uh, we got our first poetry coming up right now. Okay, thank you. Flutter, flutter, went the flag. First to the right, then to the left. Thank you, everybody. It was too far for me to recognise anyone there. But afterwards, I learned that Ogilvy, Stent, and Henderson were with others in this attempt at communication. This little group had, in its advance, dragged inwards, so to speak, the circumference of the now almost complete circle of people, and a number of dim black figures followed in discreet distances. Okay, so I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if anyone wants to take a guess, but do you reckon the deputation is going to work out well? Uh, it's called a War of the Worlds, so we know there's going to be a War of Worlds. Uh, we're assuming that's Earth and Mars. Um, do you think just sending some guys with a white flag to what is potentially a dangerous and certainly repulsive-looking set of Martians is going to work out well? I spoke to Hannah Platt and Josh Jones about this uh, as we were recording their lines for a few chapters ago to see what they would do if they were asked to be the first people to speak to aliens. So, guys, um, thank you very much for being in the show, uh, Ogilvy and Henderson, of course, Hannah Platt and Josh Jones. You guys are also part of the deputation, which, um, as we're about to hear, famously decide the best plan of action to engage with extraterrestrial species is, of course, just to walk up with them with a flag. Because uh, that's 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 probably going to serve them right, and it War of the Worlds uh, is a hint for the book. Nah, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But what would you do hypothetically? Say you were in Manchester and in Heaton Moor or somewhere, there was a spaceship that you had to had to go see. What what would you do? I'd be like, why am I seeing it? Why is it my job now? I'm a civil servant. Why am I doing this? Because <laughs> you're a civil servant. That's exactly why. That's not. It's, it's court admin. It's not. You're you're politically neutral, so you're you're allowed to go talk to him. I'm part of a union. I'd probably get them involved Fair. and be like, "Why is it me going on heating more?" Yeah. I don't feel set. It's not in my job description. Why am I part of this? I'm going nowhere near it. Like even if it was someone else who'd gone, they they text me and they'd been like, "Hannah." It's over. The aliens are here. Like you wouldn't even you wouldn't even go to the crash site. No, I'm like bunkering down. I'm quarantining myself because it's all over. I might as well just. You don't know that yet necessarily. I'm assuming it's all over. I assume the worst with everything. To be fair, you assume it's all over on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. When this wasn't recording properly, I was like, oh, that's it. Phones don't work. <laughs> what if you had to give an item to aliens? What would you give them? Why am I giving them a... Th- Again, I'm not the front... I'm not the face of Earth. What do they look like? They have a horrible, sharp black beak, uh, skin like wet black leather, and tentacles. Oh, no, I wouldn't go near them if they had tentacles. That's the bit that's put you off. Imagine if they slapped you with it. It'd, it'd feel dead horrible on your skin. You You were on board for a big leather wet bird. But when it got the tentacles, that was that was a no thanks. Can take you to a few gay clubs where these men dress like that. But <laughs> you've promised to take me to them in the past, and then we've got there, and it's just been one old fat man with his nipples out. Ah, you leave Roger alone. If I just saw a ship and didn't see them, I'd probably stick around and get a bit closer. Do you like when you see a fight on the street? But then as soon as I saw the tentacles, I'd run away because I'm scared okay. of the ocean. That's, that's I don't what... go swimming in the ocean really so just to check you wouldn't you wouldn't just walk up to the spaceship with a white flag either no i'd i wouldn't you'd wait 
to see if other people get killed, but I'd stick around. I wouldn't run away completely. If there was someone who was being, like, the face, you know, I've been thinking about it. I feel like the person that would be nominated would be, like, Joel Domit or something. Is that who you'd go for? He's got, like, a friendly face. He's non-threatening. He's like a cheeky chappy. Holly Willoughby, yeah, I'll go for her. She's polite. She's attractive. She's kind. Right, so I'll we can send Holly Willoughby and Joel Domit and see how they do. Or do you think you should send them a piece of shit like our worst humans? Oh, that's a good point. Then if they like liked the worst humans, then we all will be fine. If they could, if they think the worst humans are just all right, then we'll be. If we sent them like what she called, who used to do location, location, location. If if we send him Kirsty Alsop and they don't get dead annoyed at her because she's a massive dickhead, then they'll like the rest of us. I like Phil, though, from Location, Location, Location. I love how slow you say the title. Location, Location, <laughs> Location. But once you've done got to the second one, you might as well finish and say the whole set. But what if they hate Kirsty Alsop? Oh, this is, this is the human they've put forward. They're all shit. Let's kill them all. That's uh, fair. Well, what if you have, like, a... If there's, like, a conveyor belt set up from varying, like, levels of shittiness? You know, people, people who's like they're showing really like really strong negative characteristics and then you go further towards people who are like all right in general yeah and elon musk he probably knows them maybe yeah maybe we need to find somebody who just knows them yeah like a, f- a familiar face just to double so you're definitely sure you don't want to just walk up to him with a white flag i don't i'm going nowhere near it like all right okay that sounds like two for two okay well let's see how these guys do <laughs> suddenly there was a flash of light and a quantity of luminous greenish smoke came out of the pit in three distinct puffs, which drove up, one after another, straight into the still air. This smoke, or flame perhaps would be the better word for it, was so bright that the deep blue sky overhead and the hazy stretches of brown common towards Chertsey, set with black pine trees, seemed to darken abruptly as these puffs rose and to remain the darker after their dispersal. At the same time, a faint hissing sound became audible. Beyond the pit stood a little wedge of people with the white flag at its apex, arrested by these phenomena, a little knot of small vertical black shapes upon the black ground. As the green smoke arose, their faces flashed out pallid green and faded again as it vanished. Then, slowly, the hissing passed into a humming, into a loud, long, droning noise. Slowly a humped shape rose out of the pit, and the ghost of a beam of light seemed to flicker out from it. Slowly a humped shape rose out of the pit, and the ghost of a beam of light seemed to flicker out from it. Forthwith flashes of actual flame, a bright glare leaping from one to another, sprang upon the scattered group of men. It was as if some invisible jet impinged upon them and flashed into a white flame. It was as if each man was suddenly and momentarily turned to fire. Then, by the light of their own destruction, I saw them staggering and falling, and their supporters turning to run. I stood staring, not as yet realising that this was death leaping from man to man in that little distant crowd. All I felt was that it was something very strange, an almost noiseless and blinding flash of light. 
and a man fell headlong and lay still. And as the unseen shaft of heat passed over them, pine trees burst into fire, and every dry furze bush became with one dull thud a mass of flame. And far away, towards Napil, I saw the flashes of trees and hedges and wooden buildings suddenly set alight. So, um, in, in the next chapter I'll talk more about H.G. Wells' uh, description of weaponry and technology and how that's impacted the future. Uh, but it's worth mentioning now that whilst often you can think of sci-fi as predicting things in the future, this takes a lot from the past. There's this thing called Greek fire, uh, which was used by the Romans. For some reason they called it Greek fire, which was basically the first ever flamethrower, which is a bit... The idea of that and the feeling that you'd have when you're on a boat and the Romans go, Hey, are we going to blow your sheep up? That's an authentic uh, ancient Roman accent, you're welcome. Um, and then your boat sets on fire whilst you're in the middle of an ocean. That's pretty terrifying. Also, the ancient Greeks themselves, there's uh, the famous myth of Archimedes, the inventor, using the heat of the sun through mirrors to create a sort of focused heat that would set the Romans that attacked them their armada was set aflame by it. The idea of that, like a sort of invisible heat ray, is very similar to the Archimedes mirror. It was sweeping round swiftly and steadily. This flaming death. This invisible, inevitable sword of heat. I perceived it coming towards me by the flashing bushes it touched, and was too astounded and stupefied to stir. I heard the crackle of fire in the sand pits, and the sudden squeal of a horse that was suddenly stilled. Then it was as if an invisible yet intensely heated finger were drawn through the heather, between me and the Martians. And all along a curving line beyond the sandpits, the dark ground smoked and crackled. Something fell with a crash far away to the left where the road from Woking Station opens out on the common. Forthwith, the hissing and humming ceased, and the black, dome-like object sank slowly out of sight into the pit. All this happened with such swiftness that I stood motionless, dumbfounded and dazzled by the flashes of light. Had that death swept through a full circle, it must inevitably have slain me in my surprise. But it passed and spared me, and left the night about me suddenly dark and unfamiliar. The undulating common seemed now dark almost to blackness except where its roadways lay grey and pale under the deep blue sky of the early night. It was dark, and suddenly void of men. Overhead the stars were mustering, and in the west the sky was still a pale, bright, almost greenish hue. <coughs> Metaphor alert! Metaphor alert! Pale, bright, greenish blue sky, yet to be faced with the dark doom of Martians. Metaphor alert! The tops of the pine trees and the roofs of Horsell came out sharp and black against the western afterglow. The Martians and their appliance were altogether invisible, save for that thin mast upon which their restless mirror wobbled. That's another point towards Archimedes' mirror technology. Maybe Archimedes was a Martian. Archimartian. Archimartian. Hello? Archimartian? Patches of bush and isolated trees here and there smoked and glowed still, and the houses towards Woking Station were sending up spires of flames into the stillness of the evening air. Nothing was changed save for that, and a terrible astonishment. The little group of black specks with the flag of white had been swept out of existence, and the stillness of everything, so it seemed to me, had scarcely been broken. Hey, hey, it's me, uh, explaining why I just moved out here.
for I just jumped into the metaphor and it might be alright, because it's, it's sort of in my remit of explaining it. And what are you up to? Okay, uh, so uh, there's a metaphor in, 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 the, in the, 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 the white flag, like, like still burning in the black specks. It's like a metaphor, isn't it, for peace? Like, peace is never an option. You know, like that meme of the, uh, of the, the untitled goose game? Uh, my child plays that. It's kind of like a reference. It's like a little bit like that, like the goose is angry, so the white flag is burning. It's never an option. Okay, bye. It came to me that I was upon this dark common, helpless, unprotected, and alone. Suddenly, like a thing falling upon me without, came fear. With an effort, I turned and began a stumbling run through the heather. The fear I felt was no rational fear, but a panic terror not only of the Martians, but of the dusk and stillness all about me. Such an extraordinary effect in unmanning me it had that I ran weeping silently as a child might do. Once I had turned, I did not dare to look back. I remember I felt an extraordinary persuasion that I was being played with, that presently, when I was upon the very verge of safety, this mysterious death, swift as a passage of light, would leap after me from the pit about the cylinder and strike me down. Guys, there we go. Uh, just do a little explanation. 
that song uh, that you just heard, Fighters from Mars, that's one of the first songs I wrote for for the show, Eddie Hurst's comedy version of Jeff Wynn's musical version of H.G. Wells' literary version by Orson Welles' radio version and Stephen Spielberg's film version of The War of the Worlds. It's Fighters from Mars. Uh, that's the alternative title for The War of the Worlds. I personally think The Fighters from Mars is a far superior title to The War of the Worlds, but then that's just me. Anyway, I quite like the idea of them. Um, people with different jobs being from different planets that's fun in it bit of a play on women are from venus and men are from mars if you want uh, a little less binary in my opinion which i think is a much needed update on that phraseology phraseology get it who do i think i am just say phrase eddie why add the ology thank you so much for listening guys i, I hope you've enjoyed this chapter things are really Heating up, and I'm sorry for the pun, but I've said it now. Um, it's exciting. We've got the next chapter is the heat ray. What? On Chobham Road. Oh, thank you. Uh, which I think very much is in in the titles. It's like, like uh, when when a when a sitcom goes on holiday and they say like the 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 happy bunch on vacation as the film title. It's that kind of thing. I think. Thank you so much for listening again. Please go away. Tell people about this podcast. Let people know. They need to know. The people need to know. Do It takes you like, what, two, three minutes just to say, I've enjoyed this. And it will bring more people in listening. Share it wherever you've got it. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Eddie Hurst. I'm also on Podchaser. This podcast, you can get it on Spotify. You can get it on Apple. You can get it on Google Podcasts. Wherever you get it from, just give it a review. I don't think on Spotify you can review it. So if you want to go onto Apple, it'll take a couple of minutes for you to do that. And it's really helpful for the podcast. So, guys, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy your, enjoy yourselves. And I'll see you next week for Chapter 5, The Heat Ray on Trobham Road. Eddie Hurst's podcast version of The War of the Worlds was created and produced by Eddie Hurst, written by H.G. Wells and Eddie Hurst. Special thanks this episode to Hannah Platt and Josh Jones. Um, you can find them at joshyjones92 on Twitter and at Hannah the Platt. They're also on Instagram with the same names. Josh has got a podcast called Dead Drama, where he talks about the hottest drama from the deadest people, and Hannah is a regular guest on that now. So look at that. Thanks to Chris and Claire Collins for the co-production help on mixing the song Fighters from Mars. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, tell the world, tell anyone. Just write on a little note, put it under a toilet if you want to. I'll see you in a bit. Bye, guys. Bye.